I was very lucky uh, to have an Australian friend who was living in Karaswando, which is up on the border between Sweden and Finland. Um, and she had met, actually, and introduced me to Inghilda Tapio, who's the subject of the film. Um, uh, and Inghilda, I just really fell in love with her writing. She's a quite a well-known Sami poet and performer and has worked in education and as a teacher in her community for many decades. And so I was actually really lucky to meet her through an Australian friend. Mm. Um, and I really, really liked her writing, and I liked the fact that it was autobiographical writing. Mm. And in that poetry, she was able to really distill um, a lot of her experiences as um, actually one of the generation, because she's approaching 70 now, one of the generation in Sweden who uh, were really the victims of the Swedish assimilation policies, um, yeah. in, particularly in schooling. So she was sent off to boarding school when she was seven years old, so, forbidden from speaking her language, and uh, and like the rest of her generation, underwent quite a lot of trauma as a result of that. So her writing reveals a lot about her experiences. You know how he, we in Australia we talk about the stolen generation. Do you think yes. that is applicable to what happened to the Sami people as well? Well, actually, in some way. I mean, I think, listen, I've, I've heard uh, several Australian Indigenous poets talk who are from stolen generation, and certainly they had a really bad experience where they were often actually... Uh, permanently removed from their families. Mm. Inghilda is her story in some ways is um, uh, is quite similar. Um, she did retain a relationship with her family, but at the age of seven, and I understand the Swedish government would send police, you know, to um, to make sure that the Sami kids went to boarding school. They were removed for many, many months at a time from, I think, kindergarten or year one age, from seven or eight. So the kids who came from nomadic herder families had to go to boarding school in remote locations. Mm. So they were by themselves and they were forced to speak Swedish when they knew no Swedish. So they actually weren't allowed to speak their own language in, in school mm. and in the classroom. Um, so she talks about this in the film and and... Yeah discusses the fact that when she did go back home after three, four, five months to her parents uh, for, say, summer holidays, uh, you know, she felt quite shy of her parents because, you know, she'd been away at school for so long. Mm. Um, so in some ways, yes, it was a forcible removal, uh, but not permanently, but still it was for many months at a time, and these are very, very small children. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about the condition at this school? Because I seen your film uh, a year ago or something, and yes. I remember when you go back to that school or to the or try to yes. talk to a teacher. Can you tell us about that? Well, that's right. Um, the film includes, um, in fact, um, in Hilda's teacher, she was a very educated woman. I think um, so. She was actually Finnish. Swedish, I think, mm. and spoke a little bit of Sami. Um, but she worked in what was known as the nomad schools from actually the 1930s, I think 20s or 30s. And she actually was also in Hilda's mother's teacher. Mm. So in the early days, before World War II, the Swedish uh, government and the Sami schools 
were known as these um, sort of travelling nomad schools, and they would travel with the nomadic herding families and have the schools in teepee mm. up in the in the country, and the teacher would travel with the families. I don't think conditions were very good though, mm. and um, and after World War II, the Swedish government built more permanent schools that were boarding schools. So in that that's when uh, the children actually were removed from their families to go to the boarding schools and stay there. Mm. Um, so the government policy sort of changed, I guess. The main difference today, actually, her school does remain uh, in Karaswando, and there was about, I think, half a dozen or so of these schools founded. Um, the main difference, of course, today is that the Sami are taught uh, in Sami and yeah. they taught their culture as well as perhaps Swedish um, so they're getting more of a bilingual education and they're not forbidden from, from speaking their own language mm. and learning about their own culture like they were in the in the 1950s when she attended the schools. James, this is a very broad question, but when you've been traveling there and you're an Australian, you know, you are as aware of the, of course, of the Aboriginal culture in this country. Do you think mm. Sami and Aboriginal, the way that the government or the state have dealt with, the, with their um, Aboriginal population, are they similar or do you think it's, it's different the way that you've mm. seen it? Well, I, I guess, you know, I can't. I guess my film is really about one person's experience. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with, you know, across the whole of Sweden or Norway, uh, what people's experiences were. But what is really seems to be a very positive step is that just this year, there's been a major apology and acknowledgement by the Swedish church that it's policies, it's education policies were racist and founded on racist um you know, um, uh, uh, principles. Mm. Um, and, of course, it was the Swedes who did establish the the uh, first, you know, Race Biology Institute in the 1920s, which uh, really were, were, were encouraging thoughts about the superior Nordic races and the inferior other indigenous races. Mm. And, of course, those ideas spread across Europe and, and to, to Nazi Germany, etc., so the underpinnings, I think, from my understanding, and I'm no expert in this, I'm only just really presenting a portrait of somebody who's experienced mm. uh, this type of schooling. But I would also like the film to resonate here in Australia because I think the assimilation policies uh, that were put in place were not only in Australia and, you know, and uh, Sweden and Norway, but also in um, United States and Canada. So that is the international link, is these quite, um, you know, the so-called assimilation policies, which mm. hoped that these indigenous cultures would die out and and if they all, you know, learnt the, the dominant language, then uh, they wouldn't have to, uh, you know, deal with them anymore. So I think that is where there is a shared, um, something shared with the Australian context mm. um, and I've, I've really liked the film you know uh, to to try and trigger a discussion here um, and I'm very interested in trying to work see if we can take the film into um, into indigenous studies courses etc so that we can draw some comparison and I'd be very interested to hear educators talking 
about experience of stolen generation here mm. to see what the parallels are. Mm. Uh, you have spent a lot of time up there in the northern part of, of Scandinavia. Would you say, in your view, that the Sami culture today, is it a very alive and kicking culture? Well, as I said, I you know, I actually had to film in fairly limited time for this film. I did go three times. Yeah. And I did really restrict it to one extended family um and that was their request mm. that you know that it, they said listen there are many perspectives within our own community and different tribal attitudes and groups um so they you know said listen it's our family's perspective and we're not <laughs> speaking on behalf of all sami yeah but certainly um the particular family in Hilda Tapio's family and she was born in Hilda Valkerpair and they are very very accomplished family um so both her daughters are married to reindeer herders mm. but both her daughters are also artists in their own right um her daughter one of her daughters is a painter and visual artist the other one is a costume designer and also makes very traditional clothing mm. so there's an incredible i think within their family they seem to a be you know really productive and talented family Um and um and I think very determined to to carry on a lot of the traditional language and crafts and um practices you know um But Janet how were you received here comes an Australian filmmaker is like from someone from <laughs> yeah, another planet landing in <laughs> yes. northern Scandinavia <laughs> Yes I know um I'm not really sure what they <laughs> made of me um as I said I did have an Australian um friend and colleague who was living up there in the community for a couple of years. Mm. So I guess uh they had been used to a, a wandering Australian before me. Um I'm not sure, you know. Um one thing we did agree on though was that we would make the film in English and Sami. The film is really bilingual because a lot of Inghilda's readings of her poetry and writing is in Sami and also English. Mm. We didn't make the film in Sweden. Um I was quite surprised um in around 2005 when I'd returned from one filming trip to speak to somebody from Swedish television SVT who really was not interested at all in a film about indigenous um culture mm. within Sweden. And I, that actually really surprised me. Mm. I uh, that he just said, "No, it's all in the north. Go north. It's not part of what SBT are doing." Oh. Now, possibly in 10 years, you know, we're 10, 12, 11 years later, mm. SBT may have become more open to or inclusive of different cultures in their own country. Yeah. Uh but that surprised me a bit, and it is one of the reasons I thought I wanted to make the film in English to so that really a world audience can become aware of um the this uh, well this writer in particular and also her life experiences mm. um and of course the Sápmi area is across Norway and Sweden and Finland and up into Russia so mm. it made sense um to make the film in English so that perhaps people in a broader area in the nordic countries could view the film. Jens my final question is uh, 
I'm interested in the artistic process. I mean, we both make <laughs> documentaries, and yes. your process about you went about making this film. Did you have a clear line from the beginning when you switched on the camera? This mm. is the story I'm going to tell, or did it change a lot during the film and almost <laughs> became something completely different from what you thought when you started? Uh, well, this was a film made. You know, my previous films have been actually all my later films are sometimes quite uh, quite well planned, quite precisely planned, and and. Uh, and often have large crews and things like that. With this one, because of the remote location, because um, it's, you know, a thousand kilometres north of Stockholm and Helsinki, essentially, um, I had to do all the shooting myself. And one thing I have focused on in several of my films um, is performance and the inclusion of performance within documentary. Mm. And in this film, I do include a lot of readings of uh, Hilda presenting her poems through spoken la- performance, spoken yeah. language. and But stylistically, it's a bit different from my usual work, uh, mainly because it is more observational. Uh, but as I said, it interweaves performance. And part of the important thing um, that's um, part of the film is that I also was went back to try and search for some uh, photographs um, Inghilda's teacher had been sent because she taught for over 50 years up in Karaswando and people used to send her photographs and there were these albums of photographs which really document life of Inghilda's relations and the Sami community up in this region and unfortunately the school teacher died I think when she was about 99 years old and I never had a chance to interview her. And I went back up in 2013 to try to find the photograph albums, which everybody thought had been lost. Um, but by chance, I actually uncovered them. As part of my filming, I actually uncovered, um, uh, just had an encounter with the son of the school teacher, and we uncovered the photographs. So there's a very strong um, photographic um uh, use of photographic and archives in the film mm. um, and so really it's it's also about sort of using those photographs to uncover the the previous life and the nomadic life that was um, I guess was lived by a lot of her relatives and when she was a child that she experienced as a child 